Well, good morning, Mission Valley family. Last week I had the opportunity to speak at Anaheim, and I was a little thrown off because it was the evening, but I'm back to my normal routine. Um, but I'm so excited to be in front of you all today. My name is Michael Fukuyama, and I am the youth coordinator here at Mission Valley. And if this is your first time here, or if this is your first time watching live stream, I want to welcome you, as well as I want to welcome those who are returning. Okay, so you can see on the screen that today I'm going to be talking about that God is our super glue. And the reason why I want to be talking about, or I'm going to be talking about this, is because as we wrap up our sermon series in Romans, basically it's going to be a perfect description of how God is to us, which is super glue or gorilla glue. And so with, with what I'm going to be talking about today is, you know, the first thing I'm going to be discussing is that there are no external factors that can separate you from God. When you think about gorilla glue, gorilla glue or super glue, when you glue two things together, it's really hard to separate them. If you throw water at it, if you throw other maybe rocks, it's not going to come apart easily. And so in that regard, there are going to be no external factors that can separate us from God. The second point I'm going to be going over is that we will always be victorious under Christ. We know that when we believe in God, when we follow God, we're stronger together and we are stronger under him, which means there, there will never be a battle that we're going to lose, ever. And lastly, which is the, probably the most important part of my sermon, is that nothing we can do, nothing we do can separate us from God's love. And this is what Pastor Dave was hyping me up for. He's putting a lot of pressure on me, going as far to telling you guys that this was his mother's favorite verse, and now I have to make sure I don't mess up in front of my grandma. And so get, getting started, we're going to go into Romans 8.35. And it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Now what Paul is saying here is that he is describing seven worst case scenarios that could possibly happen to us during our time with God. When you look at trouble or hardship, we know that that could be outside pressures, maybe something's happening at work, you're having conflict with your friends, or maybe you lost a loved one or you lost your job. These are the troubles or hardship that Paul is saying that are external. Then he goes on to say persecution. We know as Christians that Christians have been persecuted for many, many years and, are, and still are being persecuted, right? We know that Paul was being persecuted for spreading the gospel, for doing what he was called to do. Then when you look at famine, Feminine is the extreme scarcity of food. There's a very important person in the Bible who experienced a, who, or who fasted, and that was Jesus, right? He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then we have nakedness, which represents humili- or embarrassment or humiliation. Back then, when people were stripped of their clothes, it wasn't an honor. It was a sign of, ha-ha, look at you. You did something wrong. And you look at danger or sword, Right, which means losing your life either in battle or by government. And some of these things actually happened to Paul. Some of these worst-case scenarios happened to Paul. Right? We know that Paul was imprisoned. He was in jail, but he didn't let that affect his faith. Right? That external factor of being in jail, he still saw that as an opportunity to spread the gospel. And we do know that Paul was beheaded, right? and that which represents a sword or death. But even though these seven things may seem worst-case scenario, 
The point that Paul is saying here is that even if we experience one of these things or all of these things, there, that, is, that is not an excuse to wave the white flag and to give up. It is not a valid reason to tell God that I am no longer going to be a Christian. But Paul is telling us that even in the midst of these seven scenarios that we need to stand strong and we need to stand firm. Because if we love God and we have that strong relationship with him, if God is our superglue, these external factors should not matter. Now at the time, Paul is writing this to the church in Rome. And, would, and, and they would end up being persecuted for 200 years later or during that time. In Job chapter 1, verse 20 through 22, it says, At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Now, if you are unfamiliar with Job, basically Job is a story of a man who did absolutely nothing wrong, but yet still suffered consequences, even though he didn't do anything wrong. Job had lost his family prior to, this, prior to him saying this. He lost his family. He lost his friends. He lost all of his livestock, and he had physical ailments. He had blisters, and he had boils all over his body. But these are all external factors, right? Physical ailments is an external factor. Losing your loved one or losing your livestock are external factors. But what I want us to focus is how did Job respond when this had happened to him? Did Job curse God? Did Job call out God? No. Job went on his knees knees and prayed and he worshiped. That's how we should be responding if these external factors happen to us. That That we should know that because we have a strong relationship with God, and because God keeps that relationship with us, right? He, he makes it stronger that we shouldn't be crumbling when we face outside pressures or when we're under pressure. In high school, you know, I went to a lot of dances, and this was my last dance. I was going to go with, with my friends. And, you know, I thought for me, I was going to have a great time with my friends. We're going to sing Taylor Swift. We're going to sing One Direction. We're going to be dancing together. And things kind of t- took a twist, at dances, you know, there are some people who, who dance with their friends, and then there's dancing that may be inappropriate. You kind of know it as le- there's no space for Jesus, right? Or there's not one Bible length apart. And what had happened was, you know, we're going to this dance with my guy friends. These are my best friends. And I just remember that there was one parent who dropped us off. And the first thing he said was, I will give you $20 to whoever dances with the most girls. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because now the tables have turned where now I face pressure of either do I want to hang out with these people? Do I not want to be alone? Do I want to make an excuse to say I just want to have fun for one night and then I'll, I'll go on living my Christian life? And that was hard because these were my best friends. And so I thought about it and I was like, how can I do this while representing God? How can I still Glorify God regardless of the outcome. And I found the answer. My friends went off to do their thing. They went to dance. 
And I marched right to the bathroom, and I stayed in one stall for two and a half hours. <laughs> this is a true story. I am not lying. It was the most embarrassing and humili- humiliating thing of my life to stay in one stall when people are going in and out, they're going restroom, and I'm just sitting there for two and a half hours just texting people. I'm like, I just need to find a, find a lot of people to talk to just to pass the time. But in that moment, I real, realized that, yes, I was embarrassed. Yes, it probably wasn't the outcome I wanted. I wanted to be dancing, having fun, but instead I was spending my time on the toilet. I didn't even need to go restroom. I didn't go once. <laughs> but I realized that because I did that, that that's what God wanted me to do. That the external factor for me was crumbling under pressure, dancing with my friends, doing things I knew I shouldn't be doing because I am a representation of the church, my family, and God. And if you would ask me, hey, Michael, would you do things differently? I would tell you no. I will, be, I will willingly go to that bathroom every single time. And God humbled me. God told me, Michael, yes, you're going to have to stand alone. Yes, you might have to do things that are impractical. But I am proud of you because you did what maybe not a lot of people could do, which is stay in a bathroom with people constantly going bathroom around you. But I'm happy I had that experience because I realized as Christians, there are going to be far worse things we're going to have to do in order for us to stay close with God. Yes, at the time, me staying in the restroom was probably the worst thing that could have happened, but we know that there are going to be far more severe things that will happen to us. What Paul is saying is, don't let those outside factors affect you. Because if you don't let them affect you, right, if you stand firm, then nothing will break that super glue bond that you have with God. And my next point, which is we will always be victorious under Christ. In Romans 8, verse 36 to 37, it says, As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Okay, so now what Paul is saying is this. As Christians, we face death all day long. Whether that's spiritual death, emotional death, physical death, it's all around us and it's, it's inevitable. You know, we, we go through temptations. We, we, sometimes we're deceived. And we know that if we are not following God, right, if we are chasing things like money, success, success, you know, popularity, sex, that those things are all dead to God because God doesn't care about that. So that's what he means by we face death all day long because we have an option of choosing something that is dead to God. And if you look on verse 37, he says, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul doesn't say we are conquerors. He's not saying we are victors. He's saying we are more than that. And what that means is we have won the battle before it started. When you think of more than conquerors, you think of people who have won the battle before it started. And if you're having a hard time visualizing this, in basketball terms, think about when Kevin Durant joined the Golden State Warriors. That was the only time in my life where I felt like the NBA season was over before it started where each team got ran through, they got smacked, the Warriors would end up winning two championships in a row, and they ended up going 17-1 and in the playoffs. But for us, that's what we should feel. Because under Christ, we are more than conquerors, that we're able 
to win the battle before it starts. In Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Now this is something that David wrote. But I always saw this as, okay, I understand this passage. God is with us even through our hard times. And, but as, as I was unpacking this verse more and more during my sermon prep, I realized the wording here. And David says, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. David is not saying the valley of death. So when you think of a shadow, when was the last time you turned around, saw your shadow, and got scared? Hopefully never, right? Because it's a shadow. Shadows don't hurt people, right? We know that shadows are, are a, an image cast by an item in the sun or light, but shadows itself can't hurt us. And that changed my perspective on this verse because we're walking through the shadow of death. We're not walking through death. And so that's why David says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That we are victors, right? We are more than conquerors even when we walk through the shadow of death. That there is nothing that can stop us. There is nothing that can restrict us from glorifying God, whether we are under pressure, whether we are experiencing external factors, that the battle has already been won. That there's literally nothing we can do where losing is an option. And again, I want to focus, I want us to focus on the part where Paul is saying, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Notice the first, in, in, when he says we, he's not saying you, He's not saying, I am more than a conqueror. He's using we because he's being inclusive. Because we understand Christianity, we are a body of Christ. We are supposed to be called to be together and not alone. But sometimes as Christians, we tear each other down. Sometimes as Christians, we lean on judging others. We lean on condemning others for their sins. And what does that do to us? Now, our superglue has turned into Elmer's glue you know what Elmer's glue is, it's a very weak glue that kindergartners use or elementary school kids use because it's easy to take apart. If you, if you gave a kid Gorilla Glue and they messed up on a project, that would be a disaster. But we are now Elmer's glue because we are tearing each other apart and the we is become an I. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another, one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meaning together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We are called to encourage each other, right? We are, in call, we are called to uplift each other. We are called to support each other, whether we sin, whether we succeed, we are called to do all these things. And there's one person to mind that does this really well, and I'm actually really glad he's in this building, and that's James Yokoyama. I didn't tell James I was going to mention him. But the reason why I'm mentioning James is because if you have played basketball with James, it is probably the best experience someone can get. See, James is someone I like to call the ultimate teammate. He hustles, he scores, he passes, but he also encourages other people around him that they're, they're doing good, but he's also making sure that they're not having their head down. I could miss 20 shots in a row, but James could still tell me, Michael, great job, like good shot. 
I'm like, man, yeah, okay, okay, I don't feel so bad anymore. There have been times where I have been on the opposing team of James, and I'll make a shot, and he still tells me, that was a good shot, Michael. There are even a couple of times where James is on the bench, he's resting, you know, we're we're on the other side of the court playing basketball, and I'll make a shot, and I can hear James across the court say, great job, Michael, and he's not even looking at me. But what James is, is exemplifying is spurring each other on, right? James never gets mad at basketball. He always keeps a cool, calm, collective mindset. He's encouraging us. He's supporting us. And it's contagious where I want to be more like James. When I miss a shot, I, want to, I don't want to be mad. When my teammates miss a shot, I don't want to be mad at them. I want to encourage them. And now I have two sayings you know, when I live my life. There's my saying outside of basketball, which is WWJD, what would Jesus do? And now I have a basketball one, which is WWJD, what would James do? And they're interchangeable. But again, when I see James, when I see him play basketball, I see him exemplifying what Hebrews had said, which is to spur each other on. We're supposed to support each other, right? He is not a selfish player. He is a team player. And that's what we're supposed to be as Christians, Right? When we see a brother or a sister fall, the only way we, be- we can become stronger is if we pick each other up. That's how we can be victorious. That is how we can be more than conquerors. Moving on to my last point, which is nothing we do can separate ourselves, our- ourselves from God's love. And this is going to be the biggest point, so I really want us to listen. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39 say, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the Lord of God. Sorry, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now what Paul is doing is stating six extremities that will have no power over us and our relationship with God and, and God's love for us. When Paul says death nor life, you think of death, you think of you know, people passing away. For people who do not believe in God or who are, are non-believer friends, right? death to them is losing a loved one and thinking of them only as a memory. But for as Christians, death is the only opportunity we can be with God fully. Where people see death as, oh man, like, I'm sad this person passed away. We see death as, I'm so glad so-and-so gets to be with God fully and finally. That death cannot stop us from being with God. Death is literally the only way for us to be reunited with God. When Paul talks about life, he's talking about those external factors, the pressures of life, that no matter what we do in our life or what happens, that God still loves us regardless that he's not saying that he's going to separate himself from us because of what we do in this life. Then he lists angels nor demons. Now for clarification, Paul is not talking about godly angels. If you look in the book of Revelations, what Paul is talking about are the angels that rivaled Michael and his angels. There was a battle between Michael, the archangel Michael, and his angels versus a dragon, which is Satan and his angels. And what happened was, Michael rivaled, or Satan rivaled the archangel Michael, but lost and was thrown down from heaven. And so that is what Paul is referring to as angels. 
And now demons represents the current form of Satan, which is a demon or devil. Then he goes on to talk about the present nor the future. So there's nothing you can do right now as we stand, right? Where we are right now, there's nothing that we can do that could make God tell us, I don't want to be a part of your life anymore. There's nothing we can do right now that God is telling us, whatever you're doing, leave me out of it. Because what God is saying and what Paul is saying is that whatever we do right now, God is with us. God is there. It is literally impossible for us to separate ourselves from him. And he goes on to talk about the future. We don't know what's going to happen in the future, right? We don't. If I made a bet, if I said the Clippers are going to win a championship within the next five years, to be honest, I don't know how confident I am on that bet, but I'll make the bet anyways. But what God is saying here is that, Michael, I'll, I will bet your entire life that I will be there for you. Whether, regardless of what you know happens, I'm going to be there. And that's how confident God is, and that's how confident Paul is, because God knows that he knows that the future, that whatever happens to us, he's still going to be there regardless. Then he goes on to say any powers, which can represent government powers that could try to, you know, take us away from God. But even that, right, we know that God is bigger than the government. God is bigger than any powers that try to separate, separate us from him. Then he goes on to say neither height nor depth. That represents physical distance. You can travel to Antarctica to try to get away from God, but he's going to be right there. You can travel to another part of the planet, and he's going to be right there. You can travel to outer space, but God is going to be right there with us. That there is literally nowhere you can be and there's nowhere you can go where God is confused and has no idea where you are. Because coincidentally, when we're trying to be far from God, when we do our best to physically distance ourselves from God, somehow God meets us there, right? We know that God meets us wherever we are. So you can travel 30,000 miles and somehow you, you will still find God, even if you didn't want to. And then Paul says, nor anything else in all creation. And this is what I want to focus on. When Paul is saying, nor anything else in all creation, he's talking about our disobedience, our unfaithfulness, our sin to God. That even when we sin, when we disobey God, that God will still love us and will not separate from us. Now I'm going to get very real with you all here today. You know, my high school and middle school life was not perfect. And I have a list of things that I did that were definitely not good. I got Saturday school twice in high school. I thought I was smart enough to actually lie to my parents and convince them that I didn't have Saturday school. I got a disciplinary action in elementary school where I got recess taken away from me for two weeks. I bullied people in high school and middle school. People knew me as a bully. And lastly... I, for some reason, thought that it would be smart for me to cheat on my math exam in front of my teacher, who was my Christian club supervisor, and guess who was the Christian club president? Me. And so these are all the things I've done wrong, plus more. They're not all the list, but these are things I did wrong. And you may look at me differently. You may look at me as, wow, Michael, you're a cheater. Or, Michael, you got Saturday school? But what God sees me as is none of that. I stand before you all vulnerable and honest. That yes, I have done things I regret, regret, regret doing. 
I've done things that I wish I'd ne- I've never done. But here I am standing before you all. And when we think about, you know, the pulpit, we think about the highest person speaking, right? The someone who's the most qualified. But if I look back at my life, I've done so many things that would not make me qualified for this. But God doesn't see me as someone who is a cheater. God doesn't so- see me as someone who is very good at getting Saturday school. He sees me so- as someone who is trying their best to be better. God sees me as someone who understands that regardless of what I do, regardless of what sin I commit, that that is not my identity. And that because of that, I know that God will never leave me. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So not only is Paul explaining to us the things that cannot separate God's love for us, now, when you, look at the, when you look at this whole Romans 38 through 39, God has officially raised the standard or raised the bar on how to love each other. Because when we look at this passage, we see a God who is loving us no matter what happens to us or no matter what we do. That he's going to love us regardless of what we do. And so that has officially raised the standard on how we should be loving each other that we should love our brothers and sisters in Christ or not in Christ the same way that God demonstrates his love for us. Because we know as we're taught in Sunday school, as we're taught in service, that if we want to have a relationship with God, that if we want to have a real authentic relationship with him, we need to follow God wherever we go. And where we follow God, we do exactly as he says or what he wants for us. And so in this case, It is living out the will that he has planned out for us. It is being able to love our neighbor, our brother and sister in Christ or not, and uplift them, to spur each other on, to let them know that, hey, God still loves you regardless of what mistake you make. God wants us to celebrate each other's success, but God also wants us to be there for for each other's downfalls, to lift each other up. And so I want us to really remind ourselves this, that whatever you do in life, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's 10 years from now, you're always going to be forgiven. That there is nothing you can do that will separate God's love for you. And as I was, excuse me, as I was preparing for this sermon, I don't don't need this anymore. I was rehearsing my sermon and something really interesting happened. The way I prep for my sermon is that I will go over it. I will actually like do a full run through, a full 30 minute run through like four times in a row just to make sure I can, you know, practice what not to say, what to say. And as I finished practicing my last go for my sermon, I started getting really hot. Like to the point where I felt like I had a fever. Now I didn't have a fever. I was at a good 97, 98 but my body started overheating to the point where I felt like I was having a borderline fever. And as I'm looking around, as I'm, you know, we're having, we had stream difficulties and we were having different uh, things pop up, I'm realizing more and more that there's there's something or someone that does not want you to hear this message today. That there is something or someone 
that wants you to believe that when you mess up, God will never love you. That that when you mess up, you are worthless. And that's what something, someone, or that's what Satan wants you to believe. But we know as Christians that that's not true. That we cannot let the devil, we cannot let Satan take over, regardless of what we experience. That God is telling us right now, Satan, you have no power in this house. You have no power over myself, over my friends. Wherever you are, Satan has no power. And I think more and more when we think about it, when we look at this world today, we're seeing people crumble before pressure. We're seeing people not know what to do, even as Christians. That we are losing faith beyond all measure because we don't know how to respond to the world, to the external factors that are happening to us. But like Pastor Dave said, this is probably one of the most important passages of all time that we need to remember regardless of what happens to us, whether we die, whether we experience physical ailments, whether we lose a loved one, that God is right there next to us telling us, don't worry about it. I know this is a crazy world we live in. He is telling us right now that there's nothing that you could do, that there is nothing that could happen to us that can separate my love for you. And it's not just his love. It's his love, it's his protection, it's his care, it's his forgiveness, and it's his mercy, and and so forth. It's all of that. And that is what God wants us to come out of here taking today. That you might walk out of here and experience someone cutting you off. You might get angry. You might get in a car accident. Because the devil is trying to take something away from you that God wants you to know. That the devil is trying to mess up your day as we speak. That he's trying to throw every single one of us off. But again, Satan has no power here wherever you go. That wherever you're going to walk in life, Satan is under you. And you need to remember that. Satan is not above us. He is not next to us. He is below your feet. Where all we are supposed to do is tell Satan, all you are, you're just under us. We're going to step on you and we're going to win. We're going to be more than victors in this moment because we have the body of Christ as in us, a congregation. We have each other. We have God. And we know that Jesus had died for us on our sins, for our sins. And that's what we need to remember. So in closing, I want you to remember all of it. All right? Don't just remember a single verse. Don't remember a single passage. Remember what God is doing for you right now. Remember that every day you wake up, God is fighting for you. Every time you go to sleep, God is protecting you. Every time you mess up, God still loves you. These are the things we need to remember. Because more and more we see a world that has been divided by race, by political standpoints or viewpoints. Christianity was never meant to be divided. Christianity was meant to be together under God, right? When we talk about one body under Christ— It's all of us together. It doesn't matter about what we think about the other person or political views. We are called to spur each other on. We are called to love one another because we are one body. And that's what I want us to remember. That is what I want us to walk out of here knowing and to telling our friends and family that, hey man, whatever you do, I love you. I don't care if you hurt me. I don't care if you've done something wrong. I'm with you. Because that is what God does for us. He is with us till the end of time. Man, I hate to end on this note, but, you know, as we go into week, uh, our weekly challenge, there are three things I, I want us to, 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 
to remind ourselves, which is the first one is to read Romans 8, 35 through 39 daily. This is a very powerful message about God is never going to separate yourself. God is never going to separate himself from us, right? And so please just read that daily and really just, you know, believe it. The next one is remind yourself that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, right? Whether you sin, whether you make a mistake, know that whatever sin you commit, it will never be enough to the point where God is going to separate himself because there's nothing you can do that will make God leave. God is going to be with us. And lastly, if you know a brother or a sister in Christ who feels God doesn't love them anymore, remind them that nothing can separate them from God's love. Just like in Hebrews, we are called to spur each other on. We're called to encourage each other regardless of the situation that they're in. Be there for them. Let them know that God loves them and that they're always going to be for them. Be there for them. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to, you know, bless your church, Lord. Bless, bless the people. Bless your people. Bless your, you know, your kids, Lord. That you have shown us so many reasons as to why you will never leave us, why you will never, never separate yourself from us, God. That sometimes we experience hardships or troubles or persecutions, that even that cannot affect our love and our faith for you. That we may, that we may experience the worst situation possible, but even that cannot deter us from loving you, God. And we can do our best to try to get separation from you, to try to outcast you in our life. But there's something comforting knowing that there's nothing that we can do to separate your love from us, God. Because you are our superglue, God. You make us stronger You make our relationship stronger with you. And you have such a stronghold on us that we're not able to physically or emotionally or or spiritually separate ourselves from you, God. That there's literally nothing we can do to get away from you, that you're going to be right there wherever we go. That you're going to meet us in the middle. You're going to give us that strength to overcome adversity, that you're going to make us more than conquerors, God. That we are going to move more than conquerors. So I pray that we just we remember these things, God. That you, what you have taught us, that what have you instilled in us, that we are able to carry your message out, that we are able to carry out your word to the people who do and do not know this, Lord. By the end of our lifetime, that we are able to say that we have defeated evil, that we're able to believe that you will always be with us and that you always will love us. You know, some of us may be going through a hard time right now. Some of us may be having a hard time accepting this, God, that we are sinners. We are natural-born sinners in a corrupt and evil world. But regardless of who we are or what we do, that all you see us as are your children your children. That you embrace, it with, you embrace us with open arms, 
a warm hug that we can't get away from. You are constantly looking over us and protecting us, constantly telling us to keep it up, encouraging us to be better. So that I pray, so I pray that whoever you know needs to hear this, God, that they believe it, that they do not define themselves on their past sins or their current sins or their future sins, that they, that they know they are loved regardless of what they do. So I want to pray these things in your name. Amen.